That's fine. I'm going to try something new, too. Are you really? Oh, my God. Okay. I'm scared. Um, okay. This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Letterboxd. Oh, Letterboxd! Hey! That's good! Yeah. It's also Obsessive Viewer on Letterboxd. And this is... Go ahead. It is. Yes. And this... Okay. And this and is... ObsessiveViewer.com's <laughs> The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh boy. Oh wow. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com and you can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer. And if you're in Indianapolis on October 12th, at 8 p.m. in Irvington, we are going to be hosting our fifth annual Shocktober in Irvington. I had to burp there for a second. <laughs> and that'll be at Playground Production Studios. Right now, as you are listening to this, early bird tickets are on sale for $6. Now, if you go to shocktoberinirvington.com and go to buy tickets, um, if you use the promo code PODCAST1, you'll get $1 off. So you'll pay for pay $5 for a ticket to Shocktober in Irvington, which is a one-night event screening of short horror films from local filmmakers. We raffle off prizes, gift cards, have Q&As with the filmmakers after each screening. It's a blast. It's our fifth year doing it. All the proceeds go to uh, benefit the Irvington Historical Society. And this year is the first year that we will have a cash bar uh, sponsored by our friends over at Geeking in Indiana and the Indiana Geeking Podcast. So once again, go to shocktoberinirvington.com and uh, buy your tickets now. Um, on September 4th is when the price increases to $8, so buy them buy, buy early and buy often. <laughs> nice. So, so Tiny, are you excited for Shocktober? Yes, always. Yes. And uh, I... <laughs> I can cut this out if you want. Are you going to make it this year? <laughs> nice. That's uh, that doesn't hurt at all. No, 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 no. no. I just mm. mean because because it's yeah. that weekend's your kind of wedding, wedding anniversary. That is our wedding anniversary, but yeah. no, I'll have plenty of those in the future. Um, you were on record saying that. Um, <laughs> and no, I'm not. After all, isn't it's the fine. first year like live event for podcasts? Like you know, you get like wood, jewelry, like wool. Uh, right, something blue, something borrowed. Yeah, I think that's for the actual wedding. Is it? Yeah, I don't remember that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, isn't it like first year is wood, five years is like. I genuinely don't know, and Gold I don't care to. Silver, yeah. Anyway, I don't understand the question, and I won't respond to it. <laughs> anyway, the first year anniversary is going to a live event. So, yes, yeah. so that'll cover yeah. that. Yes, and all the other ones. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, so it's exciting. I actually did um, some uh, some freelance vocal work. Oh, for one of the short films this year. Look at you, fancy um, pants. I know. Like I was really excited because because uh, JP who is a freaking rock star. Yeah. He, uh, he's, this is, this is our fifth year doing Sharktober and Irvington. This is his fifth year submitting a film to Sharktober and Irvington. Yep. And so he messaged me like, 
was like about a month ago <laughs> and was like, Hey, I have this, I have this script, um, as part of the short film that it's voiceover. And when I was writing it, I was hearing your voice. Cause it's like this, it's like audio from like a, a YouTube, um, like, uh, voiceover. Hmm. So, um, so he's like, so I just kind of heard your voice. Would you mind, you know, recording the audio if you Sweet. want? Yeah. So like he gave me the script and like, I uh I gave him like seven different takes <laughs> and I made sure like okay I want one that sounds like I'm kind of amateurish or whatever like one take in particular is like I'm just going to do this as Matt <laughs> from the obsessive viewer <laughs> nice so like I read it as if like it was just the, something I was saying on the podcast but I was real I actually really enjoyed it it was nice nice yeah um did you create an IMDb page for yourself I did not but I started Get fantasizing that. about that. Get but on yeah. that, man. But yeah, so it was cool. It was That's cool. awesome. Yeah, so I'm excited. I'm excited about that. Yeah, he's been posting a lot of pictures on Facebook, yes. uh, shooting like shooting locations, mm-hmm. and, uh, props, and then like just like set pictures and stuff. So oh yeah, I always look forward to his work. Me too. And I don't know if he wants me to say this exactly, but um, this is, I believe, the first the first of his films to be shot entirely in Irvington. Oh, wow. So definitely, definitely looking forward to that. Sweet. Um, yeah. And yeah, if you're, if you, you're listening to this, go check out elsewhere world on Facebook and the internets and everything. Cause yes, dude's amazing. It's a cool universe. Yep. Oh yeah. So, um, I just realized I have, I actually have a bunch of stuff I can say. I nice. can talk about, um, but real quick, uh, of course the episode sponsor for this episode is horror movie yearbook. It's a podcast that takes a, takes a year and discusses horror movies that were released in that year and contextualizes the discussion and, uh, and review and tailors it to the pop culture and current events of the year of release. So you can find that at HM yearbook on Twitter and at horror movie yearbook.com. And, uh, yeah, so today we were supposed to record a episode of another podcast that we do. Yeah. But, uh, we're going to do that later because I need more time to prep for it. All in due time. Yep. 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 Uh, it's going to be, uh, we're going to, we're going to really castle rock that. Yeah. We're going to rock it. Yeah. Going to strangle, uh, rabbit dog it. That's need, needfully. Stephen King. I gotcha. That nice. was, I didn't even try. <laughs> no, that was, that was good. Yeah. That was good. I'll just, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll cut that audio and, and bury it in a, in a cemetery for pets. Hey. Oh, <laughs> uh, we ever stop? Yeah. Anyway. We better. Anyways. So, yep. So, uh, look ahead. Loving it. Oh, yes. Loving oh, my the God. Castle Rocks. Like, uh, <laughs> just, just as a brief aside, a, a little, a little taste for our coverage of it on tower junkies um like the whole time i was watching it because uh, at this time at the time of this recording there's three episodes that are out the fourth episode is actually releasing tonight mm-hmm. um uh by the way we're just going to do kind of an extended potpourri today um i didn't say that before um <laughs> gonna chat we're gonna have a chat yeah it's gonna be nice yeah but um so yeah the whole time i was watching it i was imagining like Basically, it, like I, I was, I was imagining a room that has like two Hulu executives, and like I pictured one, like standing, like maybe they're in like a board meeting or something, and they have like a presentation or a PowerPoint or something, or they they have like one of those pointer things, and they're like looking at charts, and they're like, oh, 
you know, Netflix is just killing it with this Stranger Things phenomenon. Yeah. And uh, and we just need to find a way to, to, to you know, do that ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then, like, one little, like, guy in the room, like, raises his hand and is like, you know... We did we did pretty well with eleven twenty two sixty three. Yeah. And Stranger Things is pretty pretty heavily influenced by Stephen King. So we should do something like that. And then in comes like JJ Abrams or something, they're like, hey, let's do uh, an anthology series Yeah. that puts together a bunch of Stephen King properties and is influenced by that. Oh, so great. Yep. And then you have me in the room as like a janitor just wetting myself in in excitement. <laughs> like disguised as a janitor trying to with the mustache and big yes, glasses and everything. Exactly. <laughs> but oh, yeah, man. so that's a long-winded way of saying that oh my god, this show is this show is for us. Like, it is. It is. It really is. It is so oh yeah. Well, it's yeah, I, I, let's not get into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's save Tower for, Junkies save for the podcast. Com. Yes. Save, for the podcast. <laughs> save it for the palaver. Yes. Oh yeah. Hey. Uh, yeah, it's been so long since we've recorded that. Reference. Yeah. Anyways, just putting it even longer. Yeah. Anyway, um yeah, so we're going to have a conversation, a powwow. Yep. Um, so first and foremost, I just want to bring up, because um, I'm going to try to get this released quickly, because news is happening. Things are happening <laughs> Things quickly. are happening so quickly. Um, we've talked ad nauseum about MoviePass, and I've, I've uh, stumped for AMC A-List for the past month, which, ooh, this is a good, okay, hang on. Let me bring up my spreadsheet. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, so, wow, my laptop is cold. The words every podcaster longs to hear. <laughs> yes. Let me pull up my spreadsheet. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so let's, let's talk about MoviePass first. So, they basically, at the time of this recording, we're recording this Tuesday, July 31st, um, last Thursday, there was an outage of MoviePass users. Like, users could not use MoviePass at all on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, so then MoviePass is like, oh, we're experiencing some technical problems. Apologize for the, for the inconvenience. We're working hard to resolve the issue. You know, blah, 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 PR stuff. So then the next day, it was reported, and, like, the, the way that this was reported is that they, they have, like, the documents requesting this, inform- this, this, this thing that I'm about to say. But the reason that MoviePass had the outage that they explained was due to, you know, just, you know, technical issues. The actual reason is that they literally ran out of money. Yeah. And they could not pay for the tickets that were being, you know used for the for the service <laughs> um so it's a bit alarming it is a little bit alarming yeah and then they and and i and i hope i don't sound i i'm i'm saying this with kind of a smile and kind of not tongue-in-cheek but i'm saying it with like a little bit of a energy to me not because i'm pleased with it because i have no allegiance to either way um and i'll talk about this more in depth here in a moment, but like, cause like I was a huge supporter of movie pass mm-hmm. and their questionable, uh, decisions, notwithstanding, I love what they, what they've done for movie going. Yeah. Um, like the, it's, it's a remarkable thing that's, that's happened over the past year or so. We're all in favor of more people at movies. Exactly. Yeah. That is the official position of the obsessive viewer podcast. Yes. Unless you're a dick and you talk or <laughs> you, uh, you uh, use your phone and stuff, but yes. anyway. So, 
Um, but the reason I'm kind of saying it with like a little bit of a smile or, you know, kind of humor is that it's just a ridiculous situation. Yeah. And I saw tweets today that were like, uh, one tweet in particular was like, um, movie pass, uh, movie pass is officially the Michael Scott paper company. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And there was a, uh, there was a great like, uh, panel, like four panel, uh, four panel, like, image or whatever that had like frames of the scene from the office when uh michael has the michael scott paper company and he is asking a financial consultant or something to crunch the numbers and they're like your uh your 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 prices too your prices are too low you're hemorrhaging money and then michael says our prices are our prices are uh our prices are what it's keeping us in business. And then there's like, that's what's taking you, what's getting you out of business. Like that's what's, that's what's ruining your business. I mean, it's just, it correlates so well to what's happening with movie pass. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's what, because movie pass, obviously a year ago, I, I had it in 2016 for, I bought the annual mode of it, which at the time was $400. And I spent one year with movie pass. I saw 70, 71 movies, I think. And I ended up, I calculated all the, all the ticket prices and everything. I ended up coming at, coming ahead and saving $114 with movie pass. Mm-hmm. And I saw 71 movies. So it was a good deal, even at that price point. And then they famously dropped it down to $10 a month. And for a brief time, they had the annual payment, annual um, amount for $95. Jeez. Yeah. So anyway, so anyway, so. Uh, Friday, it came out that the the day after they had their outage, um, it was reported because people had the like documentation that MoviePass uh, it showed that MoviePass ran out of money on that Thursday, and they had to ask for an emergency loan of five million dollars in order to pay their processors and pay the fees for processing so that they can get back up and running. So they did that. They made the announcement, like, we've resolved the issue. Like, obviously, they didn't say, like, hey, we're broke. But we resolved the issue, and everything should be back to 100%. Um, 40, less than 48 hours later, <laughs> Sunday, another outage, radio silence, and they just today, like, announced some stuff. Um, that It's just, like, it's fascinating to me because we are watching this company go down in flames in real time. Yeah, And it's... It's sad because I was a huge supporter of MoviePass. Uh, I think it's really ridiculous the amount of bonehead decisions that have been made Yeah. Uh, by the company, like introducing peak pricing, lowering the price to $10 a month. Like that gets a lot of people in the door. Like there was reports that it would be like th- that they've had like 3 million subscribers, but that's also a lot of money that they're losing. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's just it's basically just a poor a poorly run company, yeah. frankly. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, and they keep changing things. Like the latest thing, I think today they announced that um, they're increasing the price to fifteen dollars. <laughs> which, hey, that's fine. If yeah. you if you like fifteen dollars a month, that's more than reasonable mm-hmm. for you know that. Like anyone that complains, like oh, Movie Pass is going to be fifteen dollars. Like no, 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 no. Realize like. Realize that you're still getting a really great deal. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that they added to it was that have, – have you read up on this at all? No. Okay. Uh, so the other thing was that on their website, they they scrubbed out the word unlimited 
<laughs> so it says like uh, see a movie nine ninety five a month. Um, it used to be like any movie, any time. Okay. Um, and the reason for that is that they are no longer, or they're going to have blackouts, uh, uh, like blackout titles. So like most uh, movies that come out, they won't be supported with movie pass their opening weekend. So people won't be able to see like Christopher Robin and the Meg was one of them. The Meg it? was one of them. Yeah. And it's just like, like, why go through that many hoops? Like, why do that? I, I Granted, I don't know the specifics of what's going on behind the scenes, but just raise the price of they're all, Yeah, they're overcomplicating things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, Jeez. Ugh. Even if they had just said, like, three movies a week, like, like yeah, A-list like is. A-list. Like, that, that makes sense. To, yeah. Cause th- and that's... In, still a great deal. Yeah. Oh, $15 yeah. $15 a month. That's mm-hmm. still a great deal. Yep. But ugh, it's it's just such a clusterfuck, and I and I've I've been uh, pretty um, vocal about this, like uh, on Facebook and on Twitter and everything. But like my concern, like I, like my whole thing is that I love AMC A list. Like mm-hmm. it's been out for five weeks. There was an there was an article today saying that they've that they saw in their first five weeks that it was like one hundred and fifty thousand subscribers. Or like something yeah, that was, right. yeah, which is on par or exceeding their expectations pretty heavily because they expected to have like five hundred million by twenty or five hundred million, <laughs> five hundred thousand by twenty nineteen by like December twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. and then the next year have a million, um, and then the trajectory for that based on the these figures is is you know exceeding the like they're on track for that, mm-hmm. um, which is great. My concern was that okay if we're witnessing the death of Movie Pass. Um, if that, cause, cause it's clearly a list is a response to movie pass. Yeah. Um, it could have been something that they had in the works for a while, but cause, cause I know that when movie pass kind of had their big, Oh, we're $10 now. Um, AMC threatened to, to not accept movie pass cards. Oh, okay. Um, and the prevailing theory was that they were working on a subscription service at the time. Um, mm. So yeah, but it is clear that A-list is a direct response to Movie Pass. Yeah. Um, and my concern was that okay, if Movie Pass folds, AMC no longer has the competition or no longer has that incentive to have a subscription service um, that's tied to AMC theaters. That was my my thought. Um, did you did you think that was uh, like was I being paranoid or is that like a valid concern? Do you think? Um, it's probably a valid concern. Okay. If I had to guess. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, so like I, I was worried like, okay, well, if MoviePass is gone, then a- or AMC is going to be like, okay, well, you know, we don't have to compete with MoviePass anymore. Let's hike the price up to $50 a, a month, mm-hmm. which I'll get to this in a moment, but I'm keeping track of all of Like I have a lot of data about A-list. We're aware. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm prepared for any changes so I can, I can tell like, okay, I can afford this or this is still beneficial to me. Yeah. Uh, which I'll get to, I'll get into my spreadsheet here in a minute, guys. Okay. But, um, (laughs) um, but yeah, so, uh, yeah, so that was my concern. And then I kind of realized last night I was like, you know, um, a list is uh, theaters. Theaters themselves, they don't make hardly any money off of the the movie ticket. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, um, 
Well, I guess, well, I, on one hand, I'm like, it's, it's not like they're losing money by having a subscription service. Cause technically they are. Cause, cause, you know, presumably AMC is paying for the ticket on our behalf mm-hmm. and we're reimbursing them through the subscription, subscription price of $20 a month. Um, so it's still the same principle, but it's not like AMC is losing like any amount of the ticket. Like, cause with movie pass, like they're losing, granted this is probably like minuscule figures, but like they're losing the full $10 of the movie ticket. Whereas with a list, they're losing probably $9 or however much their, yeah. the studio's cut is of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also this is bringing people in for, for concessions and everything. So they're, I'm sure that there is, you know, a benefit to them that they're they're noticing an increase. It's not just a flat out like, oh shit, you know, right. we're not making any money off of this. And you have the people who buy the subscription and just don't use it. Exactly. That's exactly. all profit, yeah. Yes. Which I'm guessing that number is even smaller for A-list than it is for uh um Movie Pass. Movie Pass. Like of of people that have the subscription but don't use it. Yeah, I, I yeah. think so because A list is more specific mm-hmm. to a, to a theater. So like you would have to go right. to the theater to really know about it. I feel like. Yeah. So that's it's, true. it's already someone who goes to the theater at least on a decent amount. Yeah. I I don't know. I I just I would be willing to bet that it's smaller. I'd be curious to see that data. Right. Yeah. yeah totally. And another yeah. concern of mine was that I was worried because like we we don't have this problem with A list because we are in. Indianapolis, which has five or six AMC theaters mm-hmm. that are relatively nearby to where we both live. Yes. So that's very fortunate for us. But other cities, they don't have AMC nearby. Like they have other mm-hmm. theater chains and everything. So that was my concern is that, okay, the idea is that MoviePass goes under, people are going to flock to A-list, but also people aren't going to want to go to A-list because just AMC, it may not be beneficial to them. Yeah. Um, prime example is Mike. Um, he lives in Evansville. They do movie night every week. They go to showplace theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, however, today, uh, do you want to tell the audience what, what Mike said in the chat? Cause I feel like I'm bogarting this entire conversation. <laughs> well, he said that, uh, pretty quickly he and his, uh, buddy Jake, um, I guess the topic came up of a list and like surprisingly quickly they were like, yeah, I think we're just going to get rid of movie pass and just do a list. And mm-hmm. I mean, at, I, I I was a little surprised just how quickly it all happened. Yeah, me too. So, oh yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's a shame for Showplace, which is the theater that they go to, right? But um, I mean, if you listen to the extended potpourri we did, the catch up episode with Mike mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago, like he goes into detail about how miserable it is to try to or miserable miserable it is for someone who is anxious about about going to the theater. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he has like a bunch of anecdotes about that. So like I told him like, this is going to be life changing for you. <laughs> yeah. Cause even though it's a, it's a further distance to an AMC theater, like having the tickets ahead of time, like I have a ticket for blind spotting on Thursday and, and uh, I think me and Kirsten are going to see the spy who dumped me on Saturday or Sunday. And like, I'll have my ticket tomorrow. Nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> I also have a ticket for, um, Oh, what was the, oh, oh yeah. I'm excited about this. Cause there's a movie called dog days. No idea what it's about. <laughs> I just know it has a really good cast. I know Finn Wolfhard is in it. I think it's an indie drama. Okay. Um, it might be a coming of age story, which I'm excited about, <laughs> but there's a bunch of other people in it that are, ex- that, that are noticeable people, but I don't even remember. Cause I just saw it on the AMC thing, wow. but like I'm seeing that on, uh, August 9th, 
So <laughs> next Thursday. Um, wow. And it's going to be great because it's just going to be kind of on a whim. Yeah. Um, but anyway, do you want me to go through my A-list <laughs> spreadsheet or are you falling asleep? No, I forget. I think you – did you post it on – I did post it on Facebook. I thought you did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is that your way saying that to bring it up? No, I just – Okay, because I have it, I have it up here. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Okay, so with A-List, you can see three movies a week. Uh, the week starts on Friday, so I got it on the 28th of June, which was a Friday, I believe. Um, so, I mean, by definition, the maximum number of movies you can see is 12, 12 movies, because three movies a week, four weeks, 12, 12 movies. Mm-hmm. In my first month with A-List, which was $20, I saw nine movies. Okay. And I calculated... <laughs> Actually, I let Excel calculate it. Um, I don't use spreadsheets that much, and this was really exciting. This yeah. is really comforting. They're helpful. Yeah. So the total amount of movie tickets that I got to see those nine movies, the cumulative price for one month of having a list was eighty-eight dollars and forty-four cents. Wow. So I saved sixty-eight dollars and forty-five cents <laughs> in one month with a list. Dang. Which is ridiculous to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I posted all this on Letterboxd as well. Did you track how much money you spent on concessions? I, I didn't because <sighs> I am cheap and I, I got Spreadsheet my ass. I know. Because, like, okay, like, this is a perfect, like, landscape size. Yeah. So if I added one that was like, oh, concessions, it would be like, it would be all, I don't know. But I did buy concessions. Bill Gates at... is turning in his grave. <laughs> Wait, what? He's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of rich people, um, there was a tweet, and I and, and like I've been on record saying that like okay, I kind of hate the snarky internet like thing of like making fun of MoviePass as it's crumbling before us. Because um, another thing that I because. Like I said, like it's they've been making really boneheaded decisions, but they've also instituted change. It, like I keep thinking, in the cheesy nerdy way that I do, I keep thinking of that that line in The Dark Knight where Batman is, has the Joker in an interrogation room, and he's like, "You've changed things." <laughs> like the Joker says that, and I'm like, "Movie Pass has changed things." Oh my god! For movie going, um, and like my whole like thing. Was that I hoped that, and I hope still that MoviePass can last long enough or be scrappy enough to stay in business until more theater chains have their own subscription service. Mm-hmm. So, like, I want Regal to come out with their Regal, Regal Beagle Club. <laughs> nice. And I want Landmark to have their own thing. And like, I want, I want this to become like the norm for movie going because. Like the what makes me uneasy is that we have a list, but that's one theater chain, and if MoviePass goes away, that's a list is just there. Like I want, yeah. I want them to have comp- competition. I I think you're right, but I think um, I think the uh, what am I trying? How am I trying to say this? I think the the concept is very tenuous. Yeah, it's it's easy to screw it up, mm-hmm. and I feel like. A list is like, well, you know, we're the only we're the only people in the game. We can kind of name our own price, and they mm-hmm. jack the price up to thirty dollars a month or whatever. 
I th- I think it's gonna people are gonna be like okay well I'm just not gonna get it then because yeah. it's just not worth it. I think people are gonna just it's gonna be a mass exodus of mm-hmm. of a listers leaving the service and then it's just gonna crash and burn. Mm-hmm. The thing is, AMC they're not reliant on this business. They already right. have a successful business, right. and so if a list crashes and burns, they still have their traditional business to fall back yeah. on. And so I think I think because it it will help their profits. They're gonna. They're not gonna want to ruin a good thing, right? And so even even if they turn out to be the one, you know, if Movie Pass falls under and they, or when Movie Pass falls under, right? Um, and they're the only game in town. I think I think they're gonna stick with it. I don't think they're gonna change the formula much. I really don't because I think they'll just the writing will be on the wall that it's a bad business decision to yeah ruin something that's working. Yeah, because Movie Pass has set a precedent of. <laughs> fucking up their business thing. right they changed too like, much yeah yeah and and it's worth noting i mentioned this before but a list has like it's built into the contract when you sign up is that first of all you can't cancel within the first three months mm-hmm. so you are locked in for at least three months mm-hmm. um after that three months is up you can cancel at any time but you have to be a member for three months um also in the fine print and kind of all over the place uh they have a 12 month guarantee where they will not increase the price within the first 12 months of it being a thing. Okay. So at least until June 26th, which is my birthday, uh, <laughs> of next year, they they've guaranteed that they won't increase the price. Okay. And uh and have you been to an AMC theater since they un- unveiled it? I don't think I have. Okay, cuz it's like not even for work. No. Oh wow. Nope. Um, but like they went all out. Like it's the sign signage is up everywhere. It's in their mm. pre-roll like video. Okay. So it's like very and like it was cool because like I went and saw what was it that I saw? Was that when was that when we saw start? No. Um anyway, uh I saw something. I just closed my damn spreadsheet. I'm sorry guys. <laughs> um but I recently went and saw something at Trader's Point on the west side. And like I like overheard this guy just talking to another guy saying like oh you got to sign up for the A-list. like patrons of the, of the movie theater. So wow. I'm like like granted I don't know what podcast they run but <laughs> but like it was just cool that like okay it's like it's something that's sticking. Like it yeah. seems like it's sticking. So sweet. Yeah. Um I think I think it'll probably take off and I think other other theater companies will mm-hmm. will join the join the fold on that. I hope so. I hope so. And it really made me feel good that Mike and Jake are doing it. Like they're they're mm-hmm. jumping over to A list because, like, yeah, like it shows like they like even even though it will change the way that they do movie night. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's comforting to me that people that are movie pass members aren't just like. I can extrapolate that by thinking like, okay, that's, you know, there are going to be a bunch of other movie pass members who maybe their AMC isn't close to them, but they will make that, you know, that trek to an AMC theater mm-hmm. if it means they're ultimately saving money. So, yeah. I might consider it actually. Yeah. And I was just going to say like what, um, cause I know that you, you don't have a chance to really see movies that much in theaters. Yeah. I don't, I just don't go to the theater that much. I think it's cause uh, Paige isn't a big movie mm-hmm. going to the theater person, and so like I feel like I'd have to go by myself a lot, which I don't mind. But she, <clears throat> yeah, but she'd be like, she'd be like, well, fine, go see your movie. You know, <clears throat> I'm here. You got something in your throat, or no, 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 just you know, just the the, the um, 
God, like something, something in my throat of you know being excluded from you know not being like. I mean, I, I'd guess he moved with you. I know. Yeah, but it's cool. Unless you want to keep sixty nining. Oh my god! <laughs> god damn it! Which okay, uh, for people who haven't listened to the last episode um, on Letterbox, I tagged all my movie theater viewings and stuff, and Tiny's tag just happened to be 69 so tiny and i have seen 69 movies in theaters Mm -hmm. that at the time of recording like since since recording that it is different it is inaccurate um because a um i didn't have my uh past theater viewings on uh, in input into it now i do also uh that tag also incorporated dvds and blu-rays i borrowed from you oh so it's more like I think I think it's around like seventy or seventy six. Okay. So yeah. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. But, yeah. I might uh, I might replace my um, Audible subscription with oh interesting Movie Pass because I have like three Audible credits built up oh, and yeah. I just I've gotten back into podca- podcasting a lot more nice. uh, instead of listening to books and okay yeah so I, I might I, am I might swap the two yeah nice you know that well I was just <laughs> I was just say that would be a neat thing to kind of you can alternate and stuff but you have to be locked in for a list for three months right ago. right um but yeah so so what is like what before this not I'm not I'm not pressuring you or anything, mm-hmm. but before this, like what, like, cause yeah, like you said, like you, you don't go to the movies that much. Um, is it strictly because of that? Or do you have the time that like when, I don't want to put like words in your mouth, but like when you, if you were to get a list, do you think that it would make you go to see movies more or? I think it would. I think so. I, I think I at least want to try it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the thing is like we typically, if we're going to watch a movie, we'll stay home and like rent something on VOD. Right. And, and that's just so much more convenient for us. And, yeah. And that's how we typically see movies now mm-hmm. is when they make it to VOD. And I think, yeah. I think if I tried to, first of all, that's cheaper. I mean, yeah. if two of us go get movie tickets, it's at least $20. Yeah. And at, at least. Yeah. And like the yeah. most expensive rental is like seven. A lot of the times they're four, mm-hmm. like that's, and saving gas. Yeah, saving yeah. gas and everything. So it's just, you know, um, it's not for pants, right? So yeah, it's it's. I I don't know if I can. I'd like to go see more movies in the theater, mm. but I don't want to abandon my wife at home. I yeah, <laughs> that's kind of how it is. I can I can. Yeah, I can't get that because I'm not married. But um, <laughs> no, I can definitely understand that though. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I just saying, Fekus is married and he has a list. Well, that's true. All the time. That's true. Yeah. But I'm not married to Fekus's yeah. wife. That's that's true. Yeah. That's true. Well, I'd I'd go see a movie with you if you wanted to. I'm just <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I'll keep her in mind. Okie dokie. Yeah. Do you think you, do you, because you said that you might, like, do you, is that just something you're flirting with or? Um, I don't, I don't know. Mm. You're trying to make me commit right now. Do no, I need no, to get no. my credit card out right now and subscribe <laughs> to it or get it? Well, that's a beauty. You can just go onto the app. And- <laughs> God damn it. You're like a commercial. <laughs> I know. This whole, this podcast is turning into a big commercial. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Uh, but no, it's actually interesting because they do say in the pre-roll like video and stuff, they say like, uh, join the AMC A-list and I like pee a little bit whenever I say that. Um, but but they're like, uh, 1995 a month and you get to see three movies per week. And it's like, after the movie, go, go speak to someone about how you can get credit for this movie. And I always wonder like, I've, I've, I've meant to like go and like ask someone like what that means because Mm -hmm. what I think it is, and this is just purely just my assumption. I haven't asked anyone, but I think what that means is that if you go and you have your stub, for the movie you just paid for. Say you pay a $12 ticket and you say like, hey, I want to get credit for it. I want to sign up for A-List. I think maybe they'll just apply that to the membership and have you pay the difference. That's the only thing I can think of. Because hmm. that way, and then you'll get signed in to A-List and you'll have interesting credit for that one. That'd be a good idea if they did that. Yeah. Hmm. But it's, it's an, next time I, maybe Thursday I'll ask them. Okay. Okay, so... Um. Well, yeah. What do you want to talk about next? I have a bunch of stuff that I can talk about. But first, though, we need to make good on a promise that we made. Yeah, we do. Do you want to talk about Tron Legacy? Sure. Let's talk about it. Okay. Let's let's, do it. Yes. So this comes from a Patreon suggestion uh, from our Patreon friend, uh, Robert Garter, who he just he just very nicely uh, gave me a uh, digital copy code for um, Ready Player One. Oh, Actually. sweet. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to checking out that Shining sequence again. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so he, like a long time ago, uh, paid us to review <laughs> Tron Legacy. Um, and we just never got around to it because we had our little hiatus and everything, and we're just garbage human beings. <laughs> um, so, uh, Tiny, what did let's 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 go because I had a uh, an email from him. Uh, so here are Robert's thoughts on Tron Legacy. Um, he says, "Jesus, that's from April 26th. I'm so sorry." <laughs> um, uh, Robert says, I first saw Tron Legacy on opening day in IMAX 3D without seeing the first movie and without knowing anything about it. I just thought it looked cool, and boy, was it pretty damn cool. The visuals and music were top-notch, and it was one of those few movies actually cool in 3D. I just loved the whole idea of going inside of a computer world. After being blown away by the theater experience, I ran to grab the original Tron, uh, I ran to grab the original Tron and was really bored by it. <laughs> Uh, I think it was one of those movies you had to see it at the time it came out. The special effects by today's standards were laughable, but I'm sure at the time it was awesome. I just rewatched Legacy today. Again, that was April 26th. Sorry, Robert. (laughs) After not seeing it for five or so years and was amazed how well it still looks. Even though the young CGI Jeff Bridges doesn't look as well as it did when I first saw it, it still looks as good as the CGI characters we see today. The soundtrack is amazing. I remember buying it in the Inception soundtrack on the same day. Wow, that's a great purchase. Yeah. Um, Which is a pretty great combo. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I hope we get a sequel one day and Garrett Hedlund 
uh, joked that it might take 30 years again. But I noticed on IMDb that there is a third in development with Jared Leto playing a character named Ari's. I know some people don't like uh, don't like Leto, but I do, and I'm hopeful it'll get made one day. I hope you and Tiny enjoyed it, and can't wait to hear your thoughts. Whew. All right. So, Tiny, what did you think of Tron Legacy? Um, I agree with Robert that the uh, the music and the visuals are top notch. Mm-hmm. Like I'd put it up against most other movies in those those two categories. Oh yeah. Um, and I think those two features or those two aspects of the film carry it really far. Mm-hmm. Like I think it really. I'm I'm fine with just those just enjoying those two parts of the movie and enjoying the movie. Uh, it allows me to enjoy the movie, just those two right. things about it. So agree with him a hundred percent on that. Um, also I'm, I'm, I've been a big proponent of Garrett Hedlund for a while. Yeah. I feel like he's kind of a dark horse. I don't know why he hasn't blown up like, like Jake Gyllenhaal has or right. like, you know, any other number of actors have, have, uh, blown up. I think he's great. Mm-hmm. Um, reference the movie, country strong which is about country music if you don't like country music you might not like it that much but yeah. he's incredible in it um he's a really he's he reminds me a little bit of gary oldman where he can like really just morph into a different person nice. um yeah he's and that movie exemplifies that pretty well mm-hmm. um so I, I love him i love the cast in the movie just in general um you know a little bit of jeff bridges goes a long way um and olivia wilde um also is Great, great actress. Really, uh, mm-hmm. she's hot. Um, <laughs> no. Um, After I just talked about that with Kirsten. Whatever. Anyway. No, she, I do think she's good, though. Mm. I really do. Um, but um, I think the, I think they sort of overcomplicated this movie a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think the backdrop of the son trying to reunite with his father is pretty well done, mm-hmm. and I feel like the payoff or the uh culmination of that is pretty well done i feel like it's a pretty realistic interpretation of how that would happen like this kid lost his dad 30 years ago or however many years ago and to be reunited with him after him being a prisoner essentially or being trapped Mm -hmm. that's that's really traumatic and it's like that's hard to it's hard to reconcile those two huge aspects of these characters it's like there's no way that there's basically no way you could ever fully heal those wounds i guess mm-hmm. is what i'm trying to say and i think the movie depicts that really well really really realistically mm-hmm. um you want a big you know you'd think in hollywood you want this big happy big happy ending oh my dad finally after all these years right. and you, the big happy reunion and it's just like that's just not very realistic that doesn't really happen yeah. and and I, I like the way that the movie presents it i i appreciate that part of it so mm-hmm. um but then the whole um it's been a few years since i've seen the movie but mm-hmm. the whole thing where uh, the evil uh the evil jeff bridges um clue i think is his name yes is trying to like release the other beings mm. into the real world. I feel it's confused. I felt like it was confusing. <laughs> I, it was a little, it was a little dry to me when I watched it. Yeah. Like it, it was kind of just, uh, it, I didn't connect with that part of it either. Right. I feel like the stakes were just not very clear. Yeah. It was, it, the stakes were kind of ill-defined. 
Um, which is a shame because the beginning of the movie is spectacular. Yeah. Like that opening, I believe it's the opening sequence where Garrett Hedlund is, is going through the building and it ends with him like some espionage stuff. He's yeah. hacking and doing like stuff. Corporate espionage. Yeah. Yeah. And he's on the roof and like, it's just, it's so like, oh my God, like the way the music swells and when he, like the guard is like, who... Who who do you think you're still or why why do you think you're entitled to steal from it or whatever and he's like it's because it's mine yeah and then he just jumps off the building <laughs> so cool like very cool that is such a cool way to introduce the movie and to introduce the protagonist mm-hmm. um and just I I watched it um do you mind if I jump in the no go for okay. it please um because I watched it almost immediately after well not maybe not immediately but a day or so after watching the original Tron for the first time. Mm-hmm. And that movie is I, – I kind of agree to an extent with Robert that the original Tron hasn't aged that gracefully. No. Um, yeah, the, the visual effects are a little are a little spotty. It's kind of kind of goofy. It's kind of suffers from that um, – uh, was it the 90s that it came out? It came out in the late, eight, late 80s. Late 80s. Okay. Because uh, it kind of suffers from like that late 80s, early 90s vibe of like – like techno – like uh, – it would be this. I mean, this could even be like a whole topic <laughs> episode in a, in and of itself. But like, ooh, 1982. We were oh, off. wow, holy crap. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Mm. Um, but like this, there's a certain type of movie that came out like between the 80s and 90s that it's like society and like our culture was on the cusp of like the internet age, but art didn't know how to depict that. Yeah. So, like, there's, like, you think of, like, the Sandra Bullock movie, The Net, is a prime example of, we don't know how the internet works, so we just assume <laughs> that it's it's this evil thing that we can do. Yeah. Um, and even uh, the first Mission Impossible kind of has a little bit of that, too. Um, but, like, it kind of suffers from that in that it's, I mean, it's an intriguing concept. It's a very cool concept, you know, being kind of transplanted into a game and, and right. existing in there. And I, I like that the programs have personalities and our, our characters and everything. Um, but like going from the original Tron, which has some, like the, the light cycles are, are a huge part of it. It's very, very popular in pop culture. And then going into Tron legacy where you have the very cool, like uh disc kind of things and like, like yeah. kind of interestingly choreographed, like fight sequences and, and game sequences, um, that they clearly poured a lot of money into the visual detail of it. Just, I just, I was really enraptured by that. Um, and really into that. Um, our friend Tony, uh, uh, former guest and future guest and everything. He, uh, pointed out that the, uh, the sale sequence or like the, uh, the kind of um, sort of by, by the ending, and I, we will dance around spoilers a little bit, but um, the ending where they're kind of they're going from one place to another. If I'm remembering correctly, they're on kind of like a digital train. Um, that's where it kind of slowed down for me, and I was it was I, I couldn't really grasp on. I think I think Tony was saying that that's that's also where he kind of mentally checked out a little bit as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, do you own Tron Legacy? I do not. Okay. I do not. See, I don't either. It's actually funny. I technically I do. Um because uh Yuri actually, they got mm. um like YouTube Red and on Google Play they did the family plan thing. 
uh, and they added me as a, as a family member. Oh, nice. Yeah, so like it, they have like a shared library of Google Play things. So like all my Google Play movies, they can they can watch whenever they want, cool. and I can watch all of theirs whenever they want. They have a few, but like one of them is Tron Legacy. So technically, gotcha. I own it. I see. Um, yeah. So uh, Garrett Hedlund, I forgot that he was in Friday Night Lights. Yes, he was. Yeah, he was uh, Tim McGraw's son. Uh, yes, he was Don Billingsley. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, anything else that we can, I hope that this was a satisfactory review for you, Robert. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the technology of the, the de-aging of, of Jeff Bridges? Uh, I think this was one of the first times that was on like big display Yeah. in a movie. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, th- I think it was, I think it was great that it was sort of, quote unquote premiered in a movie like Tron Legacy because mm. that's for lack of a better word, part of the legacy of this franchise is yeah. that it's groundbreaking technology is is incorporated into the art. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I mean I think it was fine, especially since, you know, current age Jeff Bridges was in it. Right. You know, and it's not like not like the way, you know, Star Wars incorporated it into mm-hmm their franchise yeah. where the actor has passed away and it's right. It's a little, a little gray area ish kind of, uh, gray area on the ethics of it. I think maybe. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I'm not too up in arms about it or anything, but it's a little, just a little bit off putting for that reason. Yeah. And then, you know, this movie didn't there, there, that wasn't present in this, right. in, in this movie. Um, so I think it was, I think it was, pretty well done and you're like it's like obviously you're aware that it's cgi and it's not like it's not like they had to convince us that it was they got a double who looks exactly like jeff bridges you you kind you're kind of just along for the ride with it right and that's fine i didn't have a problem with that yeah um and i think it was incorporated relatively well mm-hmm. so i i didn't i didn't have any issue with it i think i think nice. i think it's fine to use that technology in certain contexts yeah yeah, I can definitely uh, definitely agree with you there. The I think also the the content of the movie, like the way that it's, I mean, just the general premise of it invites itself to not have any qualms with the de aging technology because, I mean, it's a fantastical idea that it's this, you know, like it it's it's not like it it's not like an indie drama where Jeff Bridges is playing himself. 30 years younger. Right. And it's just like, he's walking through a park or something like he's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's the technology around the entire, you know, cast and crew and every cast and cast, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, of the movie is kind of an excuses any blemishes that it may be, or any, uh, uh, poorly aged visual effects. Right. Although I do think it, the movie, like the special effects of the, de-aging actually hold up pretty well yeah um, in my opinion well and two things about the franchise real quick um mm-hmm. the original one i i agree with what you both you and robert said i think it didn't age real well right. um i i think i think it has a lot of merit and like i think there's a lot to appreciate about the movie but i think at the end of the day it, it's just so it's such an erratic film and mm-hmm. it's so um it, it, it hit the ball out of the park as far as the visuals, you know, especially for the time mm-hmm. and it was groundbreaking and all that stuff. And that's incredible. And I think that translates decently well, 
but the script was just a mess and it's like it's 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 a very hard movie to follow because it's so convoluted and just not it's just it just lacks a lot of structure it really lacks structure and so it's unfortunate that such a groundbreaking movie had such a frankly a crappy script and, and and just not just not a very fluid film it's it's a shame um and so i think i think there's parts of it you can appreciate but it's one of those movies where like i've seen it once i don't really care to see it again oh um, really yeah and i, I sure. it, it's you know it is what it is but um the other thing i want to say is disney needs to shell out a hundred million dollars and make a third movie yeah complete the damn trilogy like oh, you have yeah. people who have been fans of the franchise for 30 40 years mm-hmm. and they've been you know they've purchased copies of the film they've you know they've They've gone. They've purchased merchandise for the movie, and they've given you their money. You, you've owned Marvel. Like, yeah. use some of that Avengers money. Yes. you can throw a hundred million dollars at this, no problem. Yeah, even if you don't get it all back, you're fine. Like, like in, make the third movie. Yeah, and the fans I, are clearly they want it. They <laughs> they pay podcasters to discuss it. So, right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and I mean, it's gotten better. You know, the first movie, like I said, yeah. not not a big fan. The second movie, I liked it. I genuinely liked it, and mm-hmm. I think it's a solid movie. Yeah. The third movie could be damn good, right? I, I think it has a ton of potential to be a really good movie. Yeah, um, yeah, completely doable. So that's that's kind of my thoughts on the franchise in general. Um, if they make a third movie, I'll go see it. I, I, oh yeah, me too. Yeah, so I um, think it's. I, and I just I appreciated the um, attention to detail in the movie. Mm-hmm. I think the uh, I you can check the IMDb trivia, but I want to say I was kind of surprised by or um, I was taken by the suits that uh were the light suits that were worn in the film um those were mostly practical actual props that they wore oh, yeah and they had like they had like these lithium-ion battery packs to keep the lights on mm-hmm. and they would only work for like 15 or 20 minutes before they ran out Jeez. and then they'd have to recharge them or swap them out and i guess they got really hot and the actors were warm all the time and mm-hmm. it just kind of blew me away that i think like each one of those suits had like hundreds and hundreds of led diodes on them to get make those I, those lights and those yeah that's a, that's like when you see those actors in those suits that's not a special effect that's not cgi that's right that's real like that someone actually went through the trouble to make those costumes um and that i think that's an impressive attention to detail and, and a lot of the like sets while they're you know the there's the sky in the background is cgi there's a lot of physical uh sets in the movie um mm-hmm. I really liked Jeff Bridges' apartment. Yeah. It had just tons of artistic detail to it. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it goes, speaks again to the quality of the visuals of the film, mm-hmm. that attention to detail that, you know, it's, it's so widely known. This franchise is so widely known for incredible special effects. Mm-hmm. Well, take a look at their practical effects, too. I think they're also really impressive. They didn't shy oh, away from absolutely. that either. So It's not uh, like... <clears throat> And I, I mean, I guess this isn't f- fair because I haven't seen the movie in like ten years, and you know the filmmaker isn't uh, isn't is apparently going to make sequels, but who knows when? But like, <laughs> it's not like Avatar where everything is you know computer generated, right? It's just not, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, where it's it's like you said, it's a it's a fine mix of practical and everything. Like right. I was kind of in awe of how. The movie replicated or re reconstructed the arcade from the first one, and yeah. it made it so like kind of 
worn down and, and aged in like just in terms of just sheer set design and everything. I I was really impressed with that and mm-hmm. uh thought it was very cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Is that is that the set that you were referring to? Because I know his apartment is like right above it. Um I meant his his apartment in the digital world. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Um gotcha. Like there's a lot of art in that apartment that mm-hmm. I thought was really impressive. Uh yeah, yeah and again just the detail of it. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, th- those are our thoughts on Tron Legacy, and uh, yeah, if you have thoughts on our thoughts on it, uh, go ahead and send us an email, and we will respond to you or answer you in like three months. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's our mo. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So we can talk about more stuff if you want. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This is completely out of left field, or it's mm. going to seem like it. How do you feel about Kevin Hart? you know on any level it's really funny this is really it's really funny that you brought this up and i'll tell you why (laughs) um one is i just saw on letterboxd that you rewatched uh ride along yes and two is that this is gonna be kind of self i don't know what the word is but I get a kick out of listening to our podcast at work. Okay. Um, like on certain, certain days where I'm just like, oh, I just, I, because like I work in a job now that I am fortunate enough to be able to listen to whatever I want or, um, watch, uh, like listen to like, like I can stream stuff on my phone and just kind of watch it in the background while I'm working. It doesn't affect my work. So, I was listening to old episodes of Obsessive Viewer, particularly I was listening to all the extended potpourris we did. Um, and there was like, you mentioned, yo, I don't really get Kevin Hart. Okay. I, yeah. So anyway, um, I thought I had brought it up before on the podcast, but I couldn't remember. Yeah. But to answer your question, um, I'm indifferent to him. Okay. Um, yeah, he is, cause I was actually listening to you talk about him. Um, cause, cause you were, you were talking about get hard. Okay. And, uh, and what I was kind of my my thoughts on it was that Kevin Hart, like, because I keep seeing like the trailer for Night School that he's in with, uh, um, I can't remember her name, something Haddish. Oh, hmm. anyway, um, Tiffany Haddish. Um, but yeah, so I keep seeing, like, I just recently saw uh, Jumanji, uh, Welcome to the Jungle. Yes. And he was fine in it. Yeah. Like, I think he works best as a supporting role. Like, I don't see yes. him as the comedy super movie star that Hollywood's making him out to be. That's kind of my, my hot take on Kevin Hart. Okay. My, my heart take. <laughs> heart take. Um, nice. What, so okay. has your opinion of him lessened or heightened or anything? Uh, it's it's um, It's been static, mostly. Oh, yeah. But the reason I bring him up is because I've seen a lot of him lately. We watched Mm -hmm. the Jumanji movie, Mm -hmm. um, and I think we kind of, like, caught half of it again on TV. Um, And then we watched – they were showing – I think it was on, like, FX. Mm -hmm. They were showing Ride Along, and then they were doing, like, the FX premiere of Ride Along 2. And so we watched the first Ride Along, like, on FX, and then – the second one came on after that. And so like, I've just seen a lot of him lately and like, I, I may have said it last time, but like, I think, I think he's a pretty, a pretty good comedian. Like I see yeah. when I see his comedy specials, I laugh and I think they're funny. He has some really funny stories mm-hmm. and I think his personality, uh, works well in that dynamic that, 
that setting. I think I think that plays well to his strengths as a comedian. Okay. But I feel like I, I agree with you that I don't think he has the ability to like carry a movie. I, th- right. I think he's I think he's a supporting actor. Like in Jumanji, he was fine. Like I don't I don't I didn't love him, but like I feel like Jack Black was so much funnier in that than yeah. than he was. And like I feel like it's just writers write scenes for him where he just kind of yells and like screams and like makes a has a huge huge animated reactions Mm -hmm. and it but they don't really like get his strength as a comedian right and i feel like it's it's like he's not it's not funny just because he yells or he says something really funny with his kevin hart attitude like i don't right that's not funny to me like you Mm -hmm. you need to have something clever like there needs to be an actual joke there it's not just because you're saying something funny i feel this i feel the same way about melissa mccarthy i was just gonna make that connection yeah like yeah like just because of the way she says things people think that that's funny yeah and it's not like that's not like it 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 can work a few times aka bridesmaids Mm -hmm. i think she's hilarious in that but then she like you've said before she played that same character five more times yeah and it just it just it's not funny anymore and it's like we're just gonna have this is the line we came up with we'll have melissa mccarthy melissa mccarthy it up a little bit right and it'll be funny people people will laugh at it yeah uh, we were talking about that either in that same extended potpourri or another episode. Really? Yeah, and uh, in you and Mike, like you said something, and then Mike's Mike said like, "Oh yeah, it's McCarthyism." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's it's one of the problems with comedy as a genre in general because yeah. you get a you get a comedic performer who does one thing, then like that it seems like. The powers that be, or Hollywood, whatever you want to, whatever you want to personify it as, um, they see that as, oh, okay, uh, let's. I think the intent is that they want to take a shortcut and just have audiences laugh at the brand or the persona yeah, rather yeah. than actual humorous events, right? And that's so troublesome to me because I really appreciate good comedy. Yeah. And yeah, well, I mean, there's there's a scene in the first ride along where Kevin Hart like finds out that um, Ice Cube was like having a fake crime take place. Okay, and he was like going to take him there and see how he reacts to the fake crime. Mm-hmm. So Kevin Hart finds out about it, and he's like, "Oh, screw that! No, I'm going to hit this out of the park. I'm not going to be scared. I'm going to be really good, and like, you know, I'm going to be a man about it." And it mm-hmm. turns out that like he takes him to an actual crime. Like, it's not okay. the thing he set up. And so Kevin Hart goes crazy, and he's like, he's like, you ain't going to do shoot me and stuff like that. And, like, people are actually shooting at him, and, like, Jesus. he thinks it's all fake. That's funny. Yeah. That was genuinely funny, and I laughed at that scene. Mm-hmm. But that's, like, the only part of that movie where they really nailed down something really, really funny. In my opinion, there's other funny right. parts of the movie. I'm not saying that. Sure. But I'm saying as far as, like, situational comedy mm-hmm. and, like, a big a big event of the film mm-hmm. that was like a really funny event. That was about it. Right. In that movie. And I don't, I don't hate ride along. It's, it's fine. It's, sure. it's entertaining for an hour and a half. I, I don't mind it that way, but, mm-hmm. but I, w- I didn't think there needs to be a sequel at all. Right. Um, and, and we, we were sitting there watching it and I fell asleep. It was like nine, nine thirty on Saturday night. And granted I had worked a ton of overtime and yeah. I got up at like six in the morning to, work a little bit uh and so i was really tired 
but I still fell asleep. Like if it would have been a better movie, I think I might have stayed awake. So I didn't yeah. even finish right along too. I, Jeez. So I I don't know. Like I huh. I want to see him do another comedy special because yeah. I genuinely think he's a funny comedian. Right. He's not he's not one of my favorites, mm-hmm. but I will watch his comedy specials because I think he's funny. And I just feel like maybe he needs to try to write a movie for himself. Yeah. Or someone needs to really pin down what pin down a good character for him to play. Mm. Cause I feel like he's just, it's like, let's just have him, let's just have him try to be his personality and we'll see how it works out. And I just don't feel like it's working out and he's so popular right, right. now. Oh yeah. Um, it's, it's crazy. And I wish him no ill will. I, I right. genuinely, I hope he's continues to be successful yeah. and be happy and people enjoy him. I'm, I'm not yeah. trying to take anything away from anybody. I just, I just don't necessarily get it. And it's something yeah. that's just kind of, I don't know. In, it's I, it's like my movie pass. Sure, sure. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um yeah, and you know it's funny. I I don't have any like knowledge to expand on this or I I don't have like any um stats to back this up or anything. But I feel like with people like actors like Kevin Hart who have like a a an energy to them and a fan base and everything. I kind of wish that like the co- like comedy, if it were a person, <laughs> um, would develop along with them. Like, like kind of the way that, and I'm sure that this probably happens. I don't have any, like I said, I don't have any data to back it up or anything, but I kind of wish that it was more of a common practice of like, like, like in the nineties when comedians like stand up comics would get sitcoms, that was the thing that happened. Like, I wish that it was more like that today with, comedy actors and movies right so like i kind of wish that it was you know like kevin hart could have a movie developed that he could co-write and be very involved in the in the writing process of Mm -hmm. it and you know put it out and and like kind of the same way of like uh the story of how bridesmaids was was made yeah um kristen wig and whoever co-wrote it i can't remember was it was it Maya rudolph I thought it was. Yeah. They basically, like, Judd Apatow was just like, oh, hey, you know, why don't you guys write a movie? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, okay, so Kristen Wiig, like, bought screenwriting books, <laughs> and they wrote the screenplay for Bridesmaids. Right. And, like, I think that's just, I mean, that's just Judd Apatow being a great producer. Right. But I just wish that I, because the kind of broad studio comedy, and I wouldn't say really broad studio comedy, but the kind of studio comedies that I gravitate to are things like Forgetting Sarah Marshall. That's like written by Jason Siegel. It's it's autobiographical to an extent. Mm-hmm. And it's clearly like like that's a big release movie, but it has so much heart to it. It has so much Siegel to it. <laughs> nice, um, nice. And I wish that like people that are like super popular like Kevin Hart in the comedy world would do that same thing. Yes. Which I think I think Amy, what is Amy Schumer? I think Mm. she did that with "I Feel Pretty," but I've heard terrible things about it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I I dug Trainwreck a lot. Oh yeah, Uh, or Trainwreck. I don't remember. Trainwreck. Yeah, Trainwreck. I thought I thought that was really funny. I I mean, I think you kind of had some middling feelings on it. Yeah, and I I haven't revisited it it. because if you remember, I think we were we were gonna see we went up to Castleton and we were yeah we were gonna see something else. Yeah. Oh, uh, Southpaw. Southpaw. Because we yeah. had uh, the GoFobo. Right, that's there. right, yeah. Yeah, and then they, but that sold out, or they, they were declining people because it was first come, first serve. Right. So we ended up seeing Trainwreck. So I think that that's that right. kind of colored my perception of it. Right, right, right. Um, 
but yeah, and it's funny because like I, I should revisit it because I mean it plays with the rom com tropes that I love so much. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um. Anyways, I just wanted to get anyway. that out there. Since we're on the subject, Jumanji was a surprisingly enjoyable film. Yeah. I was like, when, as soon as I saw that coming out back when they announced it, I was like, no. Oh, yeah. Totally wrote nope. it off. Yeah, to- yeah, me too. I was like, money grab, mm-hmm. stupid. And it's kind of dumb. It and is kind of dumb. It's kind of a money grab. You know, yeah. it's like a lack of, you know, we talk about a lack of originality in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Everything is a franchise now. And yeah. they just bring up, bring back old stuff. Right. Um, but th- it was just, it was just surprisingly fun. Yeah. Um, Cause I think it's because the actors all like they were it, the point of the movie is that they were all playing against type. And right. They, I mean, it seemed like they just had such a blast in those roles. Totally. Um, and yeah, Jack Black, I usually not really a big fan of him, but he nailed it so hard. in that. He movie. did. God, I, I am a big fan of his. Yeah. Um, but, and yeah, I think it's one of his, some of his best work, frankly, mm-hmm. I thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would put it up there. I would put it up there with like Bernie. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, I just uh, we don't have to talk about it necessarily. Yeah, which but. is like Bernie is like the one Jack Black movie that I can tolerate him in. Gotcha. Okay. Um Okay. Yeah. Uh so yeah. God, how long have we I mean already feels late. Um I, know. I have I have some stuff. Do you want me to talk about Yeah, some go stuff? for it. Okay. Yeah. Um you know what? I I I'll go ahead and talk about 13 reasons why. Okay. So, okay. So, um, how to begin. Okay. 13 reasons why is a teen drama on Netflix. It had a lot of controversy surrounding it because it's, you know, about a teen committing suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the outcry over it was that it glorified teen suicide or it glamorized it. Um, and, and like, as a result, like now Netflix has like, like a, a non-skippable, like 10 to 15 second, or I think like 30 second intro with the cast saying like, Hey, if you need, if you find yourself needing, you know, help, here are some resources you can use. And mm-hmm. like, this is how you can, uh, he can reach out to and everything. Um, so I watched it on a whim. Honestly, I watched it because I was curious about it because, um, the <laughs> this is gonna sound so, the concept is interesting. Are you aware of what? Have you seen any of it? I watched the first season. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. so I was curious about it because I thought that it was it, it was a it was an interesting hook for a story because you know it's this girl who committed suicide and left tapes behind for uh, thirteen people and like each tape is like oh this is your tape. Like it has Owen's name on it. It's about her experience with this other character in this high school. Um, in the first season, (laughs) the show worked pretty well as a show that should have one season. Yes. Um, that first season, I was kind of into it against my better judgment. Me too. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, I don't know if I've even mentioned it on the podcast or not, but first and foremost, um, the fact that so many of these high schoolers like this was, this took me out of the show. Mm. So many of these high schoolers have elaborate tattoos, right? Like that bugged the hell out of me and it's (laughs) nitpicking. And I know that, but it just, it bothered me. But the first season really the kind of high point of it for me was that, um, the relationship between our protagonist, clay played by, Oh God, I can't remember his name. Yeah, Um, can I, uh, something Minot. 
Okay. Um, he was in Don't Breathe and Six Season of Lost. Um, also, I think he was in, uh, not Flash Forward. No, he was in that other um, show, Awake, I think. I don't remember that. Yeah, no. the one with Jason Isaacs where anytime he falls oh, asleep, that's he goes right. into an interesting concept. But right, yeah. Right. Anyway, so... Um, so uh the the relationship or the the dynamic between him and Hannah the girl that killed herself uh they show a lot of flashbacks and stuff and you know you hear like her speaking in these tapes and one of the things that I really really was really compelled uh, that really compelled my interest was that the entire season, first of all, I was really pissed off because I'm like, just, just listen to all the tapes. Like, yeah, listen to the entire thing. And like they, at the beginning, they, uh, they kind of, they had an interesting way of, of working around that because like the guy, the clay is, was like in love with Hannah and he's, you know, heartbroken over the suicide. Mm -hmm. And so he, like, there's a couple scenes where he's like, where he's like, um, I can't, I can only listen to a little bit of it at a time, which I'm like, okay, I buy that. I, I totally buy that. I didn't buy that for a second. Oh, really? I can stand it. Yeah. Oh, well, that's fair. Yeah. But then, like, he starts reacting to each tape. Right. And I'm like, okay, so he's doing things that, it's, that could potentially ruin people's lives. Not, not that, I kind of walked myself into a corner here. <laughs> he's, he's doing things that could endanger him and, um, he is taking action against people that have have done people that he cares about wrong, wrongly, but he's doing that solely off of a tape that he hasn't listened to the complete set yet. Right. Like all I'm thinking is like, the, what if the last tape is Hannah just being like, "Oh, J.K., I was just sad. I, I'm <laughs> actually behind. I'm actually hiding under the bed. I didn't really kill myself." <laughs> like he would look. He would have quite a bit of egg on his face. Yeah. Um, but the relationship between him and Hannah was really, was really well done. I thought like that was the high point of the show. Mm. And then also, uh, I don't, uh, I don't know how eh. people complain about the, uh, depiction of, you know, teen mental, whatever. Mm -hmm. And like, like teen suicide and everything. One thing that I actually really thought was handled well was the this depiction of like toward the kind of later in the season when we get more flashbacks of hannah's experience and le leading up to her suicide there is this sense of her not knowing what to do or her not having like an anchor to kind of grasp onto like like she um through circumstances that are beyond her control just purely accidental like she kind of has a, a, an, a some something alienates her from her parents, so she feels like she can't turn to them when she's in need. Uh, things happen with with her and Clay that she feels like she can't she can't go to him or anything. Like th she, it what the show did a good job of, I thought, was showing her slowly losing this support system or slowly losing this this uh any kind of anchor to, you know, the real world or to, to, to stay alive essentially. Right. So like, yeah. And that, and that was something that actually kind of resonated to me because I haven't said this on the podcast, but I, I, I have been diagnosed with depression mm -hmm. and I'm on antidepressants and I've never gotten to the point like that. Obviously you've never been like that, you know, bad off or anything. But like before I got on medication, like I would have experiences where it's like, I don't like, I, it would feel like you're kind of drowning in darkness, not drowning. Yeah. Drowning in darkness, like not really sure. 
And like the way it manifested with me was just I was just lethargic. I didn't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't anything too severe or anything. But like, like I get the sense of like, like feeling like listless and hopeless. Okay. Um, so yeah. So I'm okay now. I have I have my my crazy pills. Um, but <laughs> happy pills. Happy pills. But um, but yeah. And like it's it's just it's something that resonated with me because of personal reasons. Um, so that's season one. Yeah. Um, season two, tiny. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, mess. It, it kind of is. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting in theory. <laughs> um, because the season, the first season ends, the, all the tapes are listened to and it kind of comes out a little bit. And then season two, there's this new thing that like, Clay is getting these uh, these um, Polaroids that show something that's slowly uh, slowly revealing things about other characters. So it's kind of a similar kind of thing. Hmm. But the show goes off the rails for a couple of reasons. One, it I don't I don't know how to describe this, but like the end of the first season hints at something that one of the characters could be in a position to do something horrifying Mm -hmm. like absolutely terrifying um and and very very like like it would have been the whole season i'm thinking like because it's at the end of season one there's a character who is shown to be in possession of something that could be used to commit some atrocity so the entire second season is slowly hinting that this character is going to commit this atrocity and the whole time I'm thinking like the show does not have, does not have the balls to do this. <laughs> like it's like, I, I was sitting there thinking like, holy shit, this move, th- this show could be leading up to something that could be really, really um, shocking and provocative in a way that is uh, that I think it could make a really strong statement about, about something. But in the back of my head, I was like, I don't think they're going to, they're going to go through with that. I I think that something's going to happen. It's going to be, you know, it's not going to occur. And that's kind of what happens. Like, like it, it, we slowly get like it, things get resolved and and it leads into, it sets up a season three that I'm not going to bother with because I have no interest in it, but (laughs) it's just, it's, it's an interesting, the second season is a, is a curiously interesting, uh, Failure. Failure. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's a curiously interesting failure. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's just it's uh, not good. I'll watch it eventually. Uh, yeah. I just, uh. Yeah. Even despite your middling uh, or yeah. negative, like the whole time I was watching, I was thinking like if they, like they could have done something at the end that could have been a very and granted it's a teen drama like they're not going to go this far but it would have been as impactful as and this will probably probably make it more of a spoiler but uh, it would have had a a more shockingly um it would have been like gus van zandt's elephant okay like it would have had like that kind of like jarring impact at the hmm. end okay but yeah anyway um yeah so that's 13 reasons why yeah. okay yeah yeah i i i mean i liked this the show mm-hmm. um and i think as far as the whole 
promoting or glorifying mm-hmm. uh, suicide. Um, I understand how people got there. You know, mm-hmm. I understand how they were upset by that. But I, th- I think there's some. They also the show also deserves some credit for displaying the realistic horror of suicide yeah. as well. Um, for I mean. Uh, it's not a spoiler. The right. Hannah kills herself, yeah. and they they show it. Oh, they, it is. They show her killing herself, and it's gruesome. dark. It is stark, mm-hmm. very stark, and and yep. sad and depressing. And I was like, you know, you have a point that there is a little bit of, you know, a uh, little bit too much too much sunshine around this yeah. idea and this show. I, I understand where you're coming from, but look what they did with that scene. That was. Right. That was adequately horrifying. Yeah, and and I think that was, I think they deserve a lot of credit for that. Frankly, I thought. It oh, was, absolutely. I thought it was pretty stark. And, um, and I mean, yeah. I, I thought the acting was actually very good. Really, I think yeah. A lot of the actors were really good. Um, the uh, the 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 black girl, I don't remember her name. Oh yeah, she's kind of mixed. Maybe she, I, she's annoying as shit. Oh yeah, but teenagers are annoying as shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think she kind of encapsulated that really well. Oh, absolutely. Um, and then the two. Two main the uh, two main characters the mm-hmm. Clay and Hannah I don't remember the actor's name but they yeah. were, I think they were both really good. Me too. And what season two does also, um, which it caught a lot hot, a lot of heat for this as well, um, is that season two has uh, it it I wouldn't say retcons things, but it develops the Hannah character. It shows more sides to Hannah's character hmm. than. Uh, than than what is shown in season one. So, which I kind of respect a little bit because season one is, is Hannah's tapes, her, her perception of everything that happened. Like that is, that's a really interesting kind of thing to play with. So a big part of season two is that clay has this idealized version of Hannah in his head and there is a courtroom drama aspect to it. So these testimonies that each episode is like a different character's testimony. Um, and the, these different, uh, testimonies and stuff are putting, putting cracks into the, uh, ideal, idyllic idea of Hannah that clay has And some of the stuff it does is like, there's this one episode that like in execution of it, I thought, holy crap, this is like a John Hughes rom-com, like, like indie, indie romantic drama story. <laughs> and like, it, it plays to that audience so well. But then I'm like, but I don't like this as, cause it cheap, like it doesn't cheapen, but it, it, it just kind of makes the, uh, it makes the whole development of Clay and Hannah, it, it kind of makes that a little bit less than what it was in season one. Hmm. So it it just kind of bothered me a little bit. Gotcha. But yeah. Anyway, thirteen reasons why. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, there's um there's one thing I watched I wanted to talk about. Um, okay. Because I ha- the past couple potpourris and stuff that we've done, I it just I haven't gotten to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really good, and I want to talk about it. It's on uh, Netflix. It's called what. <laughs> No, no, no. I was just gonna say like, oh, so you've been quiet about it? Oh God! But yeah, go no, ahead. I'll get to that eventually. <laughs> um, no, but it's it's a documentary on Netflix right now called uh, "White Right: Meeting the Enemy." Um, Interesting. And uh, it's I think it was a, originally like a 
an episode of a PBS show or something. Okay. I don't know, but they turned it into sort of like a feature documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just 55 minutes long. It's not it's not a full feature necessarily feature length uh, okay. documentary, but um, it's it's essentially this uh, uh, this filmmaker. She's uh, British. Um, she's Arabic British. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a Muslim. Uh, her name is Dia Khan. She basically comes to the United States and she intentionally sits down and like has interviews and conversations with like not just alt-right people, but like neo-Nazis and, and like, like wow. full on, yeah, like uh, racists. Mm-hmm. Um, and just basically wants to have a conversation with them about how they got to such an extreme conclusion on that uh, on that spectrum or on that I don't know on that uh, debate I guess the the race war how they got so extreme on that mm-hmm. um, and it's it's kind of a, a theme that I've been uh, running with lately I, I sort of I read this book um, I, I heard an interview with the author on a podcast on a Sam Harris's podcast uh, mm-hmm. waking up. And uh, the author's named Christian Picciolini. He's a he was the leader of a neo-Nazi group in uh, Chicago. Like he was one of the head, one of the more famous uh, neo-Nazis in the whole country, really. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the eighties and nineties, when he was a young man, and he ended up getting out, and now runs a charity organization that helps people leave that uh, leave that kind of lifestyle. And I think he's. Ever since then, he's helped like over a hundred people leave white supremacy groups and stuff like that. So, okay. I read his book. It was kind of a memoir, and and then I saw this documentary, and I've saw saw I saw another story on the news about a uh, um, congressman. I don't remember if he was a senator or a congressman, but he had a staffer, a longtime staffer for years and years, who was a Muslim who would she would fast during Ramadan. Okay. And he kind of like felt bad. They'd have a meeting and they'd have like donuts and she'd be sitting there and she couldn't have a donut. And he like, he eventually, I think he just kind of asked her like, hey, why don't you have a donut? And she's like, well, I can't. It's Ramadan. I have to fast mm-hmm. during the day. And he just got really interested in it. And he basically turned Ramadan into like a yearly event and something that he and his entire staff celebrate with this woman who works oh, for him. Wow. Yeah, so they all fast during the day and then at the end huh. of the day they have a big feast or whatever and like they just interviewed him and on the news and they were talking to him and mm-hmm. he uh he said something that I thought uh, he didn't attribute it to himself. He said someone else said it, but um the quote was it's hard to hate up close. Oh. And I thought that's a really that is a really good way to put that. Mm-hmm. And it's exemplified really well in this documentary. Okay. Because uh it's kind of sorry that was kind of a roundabout way to get to it, but uh, um, Dia Khan is this very, very intelligent, very sweet, pretty little lady who came over here to talk to these really hateful guys, and it's it's very fascinating to see how that hatred really crumbles away because it's hard to hate up close, and I think that's what she understood about about this is that. If you sit down, literally face to face with someone, and say, "Hey, why, 
why do you, why do you hate me? Like, why do you think I should be deported from your country? Do you think I should die? I mean, do you, do you like, do you want to kill me right now? Like, mm-hmm. how does somebody answer that question? Like, you can't right. sitting there looking at someone in the eye and being like, yeah, I, I, I need to, I, I should be killing you right now. Like, right. No one says that. Yeah. That's, that's, that is so rare. It almost doesn't exist mm-hmm. that someone is that hateful. And I think it causes the person to look inside about who they are and really, do you really live your beliefs or is it just a bunch of words you say because it's because you're so depressed and sad that Mm -hmm. all you can do is hate people? I don't know. And I I think this documentary really, really (sighs) exemplifies that that idea that it's hard to hate up close. Um, and, 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 and I'm not trying to spoil Christian Picciolini's book, Mm -hmm. uh, which is called white American youth. Um, but he, he eventually like he, part of his memoir is he gets a girl pregnant and he becomes a family man. And instead of worrying about, you know, this ideology that he subscribed to, he tries to just earn a living and (laughs) support his family. And he does that by opening, uh, he was big into punk rock, punk rock and, um, the, uh, skinhead movement are, um, kind of attached unfortunately uh Mm -hmm. and there's so there's a lot of crossover there and so he ended up opening this punk rock music store um but it wasn't necessarily he kind of specialized in like skinhead punk but that wasn't all he sold and so people would come in there who weren't skinheads Mm -hmm. and he'd have like black people come in and mexican people come in and he just started having conversations with people one-on-one face to face and he just that really crumbled away at his ideology and that's how he got away from it and like it just it's just this theme that I think is so it's so simple but it's so effective that it's hard to hate up close and the book I read and that interview with that congressman and then seeing this documentary like really solidified that I think the best way to combat all this hatred that's wrapped up and that's unfortunately in the news right now with the alt right and all that crap just just sit down and have a conversation with somebody mm-hmm. don't yell at them don't demonize them don't don't call them stupid and bigoted and racist and all that. Just sit down and ask them some questions and just be genuinely be curious and interested in what they're saying. And I think you'll find out that if you watch these, uh, watch this documentary and read that book, you find out that it works. Um, there's, nice. there's some incredibly shocking moments in Christian Piccolini's book and in this documentary where, ideologies crumble away and it's really it's pretty amazing to see it's a really amazing thing um i give her a lot of credit um it's it's incredible i mean i don't, I don't want to spoil it but she gets she has a conversation with a very high-ranking person in a skinhead movement or in a racist white power movement uh she has a conversation with him and he calls her months later and he leaves the movement I mean, oh wow! It's really like it's just I was I did not expect that going into this documentary that she mm-hmm. would be so successful, and it was just so simple. She just had wow. conversations with these guys, um, much to her, much at her own risk. I mean, she embedded right. she embedded herself in a protest where she stood on the side of the racist to film them and talk Jeez. to them, and you know, I mean, that's as a Muslim woman. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's scary. I was scared yeah. for her. Oh yeah, I can. Um, Jeez, it was it was really wild, and it's it's like I said, it's a quick fifty five minutes. It's not a long, drawn out thing. Uh, White right meeting the enemy. Okay. 
So yeah, and I recommend Christian Christian Picciolini's book. It's it's very very revealing. Uh, the violence is disturbing and wow. everything, but it's it's an incredible story as well. So wow, yeah, it's just a I don't know something an odd theme I found my way into, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, but yeah, good stuff yeah. all around. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll kind of round this out with the last. Please thing. do. Yes. Um, <laughs> real quick, before I do that though, um, you said you've been getting into podcasts more. Have mm-hmm. you? Do you listen to any like other uh, movie or TV podcasts? I no, I, I don't. For whatever reason. Okay, just curious because yeah. I, I since I work at the office now and I don't have to answer phones all day. <laughs> it was so nice. I, I didn't. Uh, part of my job, I have to be in the phone. So like if. If you know the call center gets overwhelmed, like I'll I, I'll get an overflow call. Right. And it was so nice because like today I I was in ready in the phones for eight hours. So I didn't get a Nothing. single overflow call. That's it was awesome. so nice. That's awesome. Watch Twelve Monkeys. Watch The Sandlot. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, yeah. So I, I've just been looking for more like movie podcasts to listen to. So okay. Anyway, um, to round us out, I don't have <clears throat> I have a bunch of stuff I could talk about wa- watching, but I do have a thing uh, that uh, so uh, <laughs> when Mike was over and when we recorded with him. I pressure I peer pressured him into getting letterboxed. Mm-hmm. And since then I feel I feel so happy because he <laughs> is in love with movie pass or not movie pass, letterboxed. Yes. Did I say letterboxed before? You did, you said letterboxed. Okay, good. He is in love with letterboxed. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's so great because like we'll talk in the pod chat about it and like I'm I've been working on getting your guys's uh backlog of movies imported into into letterboxd mm-hmm. and uh and it's just it's just really fun to have that enthusiasm and, and kind of talk about it um, with you guys mm-hmm. but the reason i bring that up is that um i'm getting more and more into making lists on on letterboxd which it's just you know my list my my spreadsheets it's just whew, just gotta bat them away <laughs> um so um, but no, like I am working on a list that uh, I think at some point, at some point we, maybe I'll force you guys to do an episode revolving around it. Maybe, I don't <laughs> know. Um, but I'm for the first time, like ever, I'm compiling a list of my top, top 100 favorite movies, which by the way, tiny, you have a top 25 on your letterbox. Yes. And I will put a link to that in the show notes. Sure. Very good list, by the way. Thank you. Yep. Um, so I am compiling a list of a hundred favorite movies and first of all, it is the most, Hey, I'm a white 30 year, 32 year old (laughs) male, um, in Indianapolis. Like it's, it's, it's the most like, I am such a stereotype for my demographic. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I haven't made the list public, public yet because basically at this point I'll go through my process of it. I'm, I'm compiling the, the movies, um, I'm at 100 movies now, but I think there are some I'm going to switch out for other movies. Um, but what I'm doing is I'm sorting them by the rating that I have on Letterboxd, and then the ones that I the ones that are that I haven't seen recently enough, I'm rewatching so that I can re-rate them or give them an actual rating on Letterboxd. And then from there, I'm going to pick some that I need to refresh my memory on to see if, did I really feel that way about this movie? Does it really deserve to be this position? Wow, that's thorough. Oh, you, you know nothing, Tiny. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
And so I'm doing all of that, and then I'm coming across some interesting things. First of all, this is amazing. Like it's it's just a very satisfying uh, thing to do because I'm super self centered, <laughs> and I like um, you know looking at my tastes um, and everything, <laughs> or I like evaluating my like what kind of movies have shaped my movie watching and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple things about that. One is that I think we talked in the pod chat about Fight Club. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that was my favorite movie. Me too. Because again, I'm a 32 year old white man. <laughs> yeah. 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 And like, that is such a, I think Mike put it in the pod chat really well. I think he said, like, that's such a, you know, teenager, edgy movie. The way he put it. Yeah was so perfect he referred to it as it's like bro's first thinking movie yes i laughed so hard when he posted yes that. oh and like, that was funny nothing against fight club necessarily yeah yeah it's just that it came out at a time where we were at an age where we were at least well i can't speak for everyone but my experience was like Oh, this is a this is a this is a really like macho gritty movie. Right. And like I it's unique to our generation for that yeah. reason. I think a, a portion of it for me was a granted it is a great movie. I mean it is <laughs> visually speaking alone. It's I mean it's David Fincher. He's Absolutely. fucking amazing. Yes. But I think part of the reason why I, I I've relented from my fandom of Fight Club is that I've just kind of grown out of it, and I think that maybe part of my excitement over it as a, as a young teenager was that maybe a little bit of over, overcompensating, just a little bit, yeah, yeah, in kind of posturing and and although I don't know, because I, I was a huge fan of it, but um, but yeah. So anyway, that's a long winded way of saying that Fight Club is probably not going to be on the top 100 list. Okay. Um, it would be on my top 100. Nice. Yeah. Uh, but it, it didn't make my top 25. Right. Yeah. I think maybe I'll add that to the list of movies and I'll rewatch because okay. I haven't watched it in several years. Yeah, it's been a while for me too. Yeah. But there was a time when I was watching it like once a week. Right. Yep. So That's yeah. how I was with uh, with Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. Like in junior yeah. high, I watched it like legitimately every day after school. For like two weeks straight. Jeez, that that is on my top twenty-five. Yep, yep. Same for Ryan. Um, yeah. and then a couple other things I noticed. I I'm having a dilemma with the movie Lock from two thousand twelve. Okay. Yes. Still and, haven't seen that yet. Oh, it's it's interesting because and again I was listening to one of our extended potpourris today, and it was the extended potpourri we did shortly after my dad died, and I mm-hmm. talked about seeing Lock and how that had such a surprising reaction out of me. Okay. Because at the time, this was like two weeks after my dad passed away, and like my family was in turmoil with a bunch of personal shit that was going on that I'm not going to go into. Mm-hmm. If you want to hear me talk about it in more detail, go listen to that episode. It's whatever extended potpourri it is. I think 169 maybe. Okay. Um, but it has lock in the in the title of the episode. Okay. But anyway, like the dilemma that I'm facing is that l- the experience of watching lock, which I haven't seen in two years, the experience of watching it resonated so deeply with me because I saw myself in, in, uh, Tom Hardy or Tom Hardy. Yeah. Tom Tom Hardy. Hardy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tom Hardy's character. I saw so much of myself and I, 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 uh, 
um, related so much to what was going on because obviously it wasn't like this shit that I went through was not remotely similar to the shit that he was going through. But at a, at a base level, like there were, they were on the same wavelengths. He's trying desperately to fix a situation or to, to preserve his, his life and how he, how he and his family live their life while dealing with so many different fires going on in mm-hmm. his life. Okay. And it's, it was such a, and an, one of the, probably one of my most memorable, like movie viewing experiences. Wow. Hands down. Cause it re- like I put it in, I mean, it, it, it wasn't as strong a reaction as this, but I put it up there with like me watching deer Zachary for the first time okay. because I was just emotionally wrecked by that. Right. Um, so my dilemma is obviously I had such a strong reaction to this and I've seen this movie once two years ago. Do I put it on my top 100 as my favorite, one of my favorite movies or do I leave it off? Because I know that if I revisit it, I'm not going to have that same reaction. Mm. So that's a dilemma I'm facing. That is a dilemma. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then after I resolve that situation, I'm going to watch a movie about a guy who's struggling to figure out if he should put something on a list, and it's gonna I'm going to relate to it so much. And then down the road, when when I make my top 200, Shut I'm going to know. <laughs> I'm going to worry about putting that on it. Um, but yes, that, yeah, so, that is a catch twenty two. Yeah. Yeah. That's I I have the same. Well, obviously not the same reaction, but. Uh, a, a similar feeling towards the movie like 12 Years a Slave. Oh, yeah. Haven't seen it since the theater. Mm-hmm. I remember when we reviewed it, I said I think it might be one of the best movies I've ever seen. Yeah. And I kind of I stand by that. It's on my top 25. Oh, yeah. But I have not revisited that movie. Yeah. And I'm kind of scared to just because I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Have you heard about Steve McQueen's next movie that's coming uh-uh, out? I haven't, no. Yeah, it's uh, coming out in like December, I think. It's called Widows. And it's about a group of women who's, I, I believe, if I'm reading the trailer right, the movie's about a group of, of women who their husbands are part of a squad of police officers who, who get killed because they're dirty cops or something. So the, so the widows decide to take action against the people that killed their husbands. Oh, okay. And it's got a lot of good people in it. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez... And like okay. there are two other very like very talented actresses in it, but it looks really good. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that's the dilemma I'm facing there. And at some point, I'm gonna publish the the list and everything, and and talk more long windedly about it. <laughs> um, but I'm really excited because Mike, when he gets settled into his new house, uh, he's he des- he definitely wants to come back and do a letterboxed episode. So nice. We'll we'll definitely do that. Yeah. Yep. So I think that's it's like eleven o'clock, Tiny. I'm sorry. Yeah, I need to go to bed. Yeah, I've got to. I don't know. Play around on Letterboxd. <laughs> um, put Mike's 2011 movies on there. <laughs> um, and then yeah, so yeah, uh, I look forward to. Let, let's commit to it now. Are you going to go see? You're going to you're going to see Blind Spotting with me. I, I just you can't. Are, you, I just, just can't. Just, all you got to do is open the app. I can't. And uh, do you have the AMC app? I don't. Okay, well, download it. it <laughs> you, I'll, you have my Wi-Fi password. Yeah. Um, but no, in all seriousness, it's just, you know, text me or something. Like, okay. okay. Um, it's whatevs. Yeah. It's whatevs. It's whatevers. Yeah, it's, it's whatevs, you know. Just cool. It's cool. It's totally <laughs> cool. Just, you know, 
Just we used to be sixty nine. Now we're well, oh Jesus. I don't. I, let me see how many we are because it might be actually lower than that. So we may need to work back up to sixty nine. God damn it. Let's see. And then uh, then I'll let you go. <laughs> um, tags. Okay, okay, tiny. We're at sixty seven. Oh. So we've got to see two movies. Oh god. To get to sixty nine. Okay. Yeah. So we'll see Blind Spotting, and then. Um. Oh, what should our 69th movie be? Oh my God, you're sick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually really not sure if because uh, uh, what I'm planning on doing, and this is the last thing I promise. Um, what I'm planning on doing is going because I have all your lists from the years past because I'm putting mm-hmm. them into your letterbox. Um, by the way, if you guys want Mike and Tiny's uh letterbox passwords, just you know DM me. <laughs> um, but. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to be a total nerd and check cuz there's some movies cuz I mean this is like years and years ago. I don't remember if cuz like perfect example, we saw Black Mass together. I forgot cuz that movie was forgettable to me. Okay. Um I didn't remember until I heard us talk about it on a podcast. Okay. Um so I'm going to go through and like check your theater viewings, cross check them with mine for each year and see which ones we saw together. Okay. That's yep. Have fun with that. Thank you. I will. <laughs> so anyway, that'll do it for this episode of the Obsessive Viewer. Yep. Uh, subscribe to Tower Junkies because we will have a uh, series of episodes um, reviewing Castle Rock um, on there. And then eventually I'm going to bring back Anthology, I promise. Um, uh, Robert, I hope we satisfied you with our uh, discussion of Tron Legacy. And then Tiny, by the way, Tony paid us to review... A movie called Heartbeeps. Um, okay. No idea what it is. Okay. Um, he has instructed me to go in as blind as possible. So right. I'm going to extend that to you as well. Okay. Um, apparently it is horrible. Okay, I'll um, give it a shot. <laughs> so yeah, so I will... Uh, I'll, I'll message you with the details. Okay. So anyway, uh, thank you guys so much for listening and get those Sharktober Nervington tickets. SharktoberNervington.com, promo code PODCAST1. And thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. It was a Bob and Tom thing. Where, like I, like anytime I hear it, I think about like if I'm like trying to explain it to John or explaining to Eddie or explaining it to anyone. Yeah. I feel like it's it's just like when I when I when I tap the brake, it goes. That's <laughs> 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 great. Do you remember that from Bob and Tom? Ah, uh, maybe. Like, <laughs> maybe. <it's> like, <laughs> I think. Oh, I think it was Mr. Obvious. Okay. Yeah, because he's like, I think there's a bear under under my house. <laughs> I think it goes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so dumb. It's oh. so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Just, <"Rrr!" laughs> that reminds me of. Uh... There was this old commercial for like uh, an auto. It, it was like Car X or something. Okay. But it was like. The premise of the commercial was like two dudes talking. Okay. And at the end of it, it was like, if you don't know what you're doing with your car, bring it to the professionals, yada, mm. so on and so forth. And so it's these two dudes having a commercial and, or having a conversation. Mm. And, um, and then one guy's like, yeah, my car is just, it's not running. I don't know what's wrong with it. And, and then one guy's like, okay, well, what is it? Like a V6 or V8? He's like, dude, he's like, dude, it's like a V9. It's like a V9. And then he's like, well, well does it have like ABS? He's like, oh, it's got like a couple of those. <laughs> <laughs> he just keeps going. <laughs>
<laughs> and I was like, it's so uh, it so, got a couple of those. Uh, the best one was he was goes, dude, it's like a V9. 9.5. That's pretty good. That was such a funny commercial. I wish I could remember who it was. Oh, God. Yeah. That's it was good. a radio commercial. Oh, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> the One of the best was the uh, the marital arts classes, the Captain Obvious. I don't remember uh, those. Oh my god! Huh. This guy was like talking about um, he was having trouble in his marriage, and like mm-hmm. he went to a to a marital uh, a marriage counseling okay. class. He's like, and he's like, Mister Obvious, I I broke my wife's arm, and he's like, what? What collar? How the hell did that happen? He's like, yeah, I went to this marital arts class, and you put on <laughs> put on these white pajamas, and I did what they told me to do, and I broke my wife's arm. <laughs> he's a caller you went to a martial arts class you could have you could have killed your wife oh my god that's oh, awesome never made the connection <laughs> that was one of my favorite ones that is so great <laughs> marital arts class god <laughs> I put on my white jammies and <laughs> did what they told me did what they told me to do and I almost broke, I broke her arm oh my god that's great yeah Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you'd like to support the show, the best and easiest way is to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. More ratings and reviews means it'll be easier for people to find the show in the highly competitive film and TV podcast genre. It also provides us with valuable feedback on the show. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a one-time PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate or become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for recurring donations with different reward tiers. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, notebooks, phone cases, and more, visit our Tee Public store. You can also buy other great Tee Public designs in our store, and we'll get a small commission on the sale. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes. And like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. We love to hear from you guys. You can contact us by emailing podcast at obsessiveviewer.com or by tweeting us at obsessiveviewer, at obsessivetiny, and at I am Mike White. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer where you can take part in discussions and polls between episodes. For more podcast content, check out Anthology, Matt's solo podcast, where he's reviewing The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and exploring other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows. You can find Anthology at anthologypod.com and anywhere podcasts are found. For book lovers, you can check out our sister site at obsessivebooknerd.com for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.